More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Hey, welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, your host for the podcast, and I'm happy as always to be here with you for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. You know, the other day I was reading through some of the iTunes reviews that have been left about the podcast, and it was awesome to read back through. Some of them I'd seen before, some of them were newer, but it got me thinking, I haven't said in a while that it would be great if you could leave a review on iTunes or really any podcast format that you listen to. Wherever you listen to this podcast, if you have the capability of leaving a rating and a review, uh, it would be pretty awesome if you do that. And thank you to everybody who's done that so far. The reason that it's helpful is because the more ratings and the more reviews that a podcast has, obviously, if they're like good reviews, it makes it even better. But the more ratings and reviews that a podcast has, the more likely it is that other people are going to see the podcast. And I think it would be awesome if more people were listening to Survivor Sanctuary, maybe people who have been struggling with sexual abuse and possibly sexual abuse within the church. And they didn't know that there was a podcast where they can hear maybe some stuff that they can relate to and also some things that might help. So if you want to leave a review, I would greatly appreciate it. And then you can drop me a comment on our Facebook group page and let me know that you did it. And that would be pretty cool. So just leave a rating and a review and then let me know that you did. And I mean, you know, not doing a giveaway this time for the rating or the review, but it will make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, which, uh, you know, that is a reward in and of itself. Okay. It's a reward that's completely selfish and just for me. Can I just say this has been a very, very rough week for me. Rough couple of weeks. Um, so just some stress, man. And the good news is I am going to be taking some time off of some work responsibilities and not to go anywhere because obviously, you know, COVID-19, congratulations to us, but I'm at least going to take some days off of one of my jobs and just be able to not stare at a computer screen all day and focus on some other things. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that is going to make me feel so much better. But I know I'm not the only person like life is stressful right now. There are people who are, you know, sending their kids back to school for Miami-Dade County, which is the county that I live in here in South Florida. Um, School started up just a couple of days ago. So all the parents are dealing with virtual school for the for the most part, it's virtual. And you know, uh, the caretaker who comes and helps care for my dad during the day, she was late uh, the first couple of days this week. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I I mean, we, we both speak different languages. She speaks mostly Spanish and I speak mostly English, but we kind of understand through, well, I mean, Alexa helps and Google Translate and all that, um, but mostly hand signals. And I just knew, like, just the look on her face was like, all right, virtual school, not my thing. <laughs> and apparently getting started with that has been really, really rough. So I know. Everybody has stuff that can stress them out. It's not just like one person feels super stressed and nobody else does. So trust me, if you're in that spot and you're feeling overwhelmed, my goodness, um, I can kind of relate to that right now. Having some issues, um, you know, just with general life stress and, and, you know, taking care of my dad can be stressful and there's some family stuff that's stressful. And then my dog on top of that. Um, I am an animal lover, just absolutely crazy about animals. And I adopted a Great Dane uh, seven years and a couple of months ago. And um, she has a degenerative disease that is just getting worse and worse. So kind of managing that this week. And we're getting to the point where it's not super fun at all. And so that's been kind of stressful too. So I don't know, just, just wanted to get that off my chest. You know, when I start talking to you guys, to, to the podcast listeners, I feel like, I don't know, I guess I feel like there's this sense of people understanding. And even if you don't understand, there's so much compassion in 
our group of listeners, and I appreciate that about you all so much. And I was reading some comments on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page this week. And by the way, search Survivor Sanctuary on Facebook and request to join if you're not a part of the group. Um, You have to answer one membership question. Super easy. Just answer the multiple choice question correctly, and I'll add you to the group. And it's just such a great place where people have so much compassion for each other. And I don't say, oh, it's a great place because I am this wonderful moderator who just takes care of it. No, you guys just jump on it. You know, like everybody commenting to offer support and care and compassion and empathy to other survivors. And I love that. So I was reading through some comments and um, also commenting myself um, on a post this past week, and that's actually what inspired today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I want to have some more people on the podcast who can speak to this, maybe people who have some experience professionally and can offer out really good like mental health advice. Um, That's not what I'm here to do today, but I just wanted to talk about a specific kind of trigger that sexual abuse survivors in the church deal with. And it can be really difficult to explain it to other people. And that's what I found in the Survivor Sanctuary podcast group this week. And I also found that even though it seemed like something that would be difficult to explain, I think that so many people from the Facebook group just really understood. And I loved reading everybody's comments and feeling like, okay, we we all kind of get this and we know what it feels like and it's awesome to be understood even though if we don't have answers for each other we definitely have support and empathy and we get it and sometimes that's all we need for somebody to just get it so I wanted to talk about when church can be a trauma trigger for survivors of sexual abuse Now, right off the bat, I want to define what a trauma trigger is, because triggers can be something different to different people. So I think that it would be good if we just define it here at the outset. So we're kind of all on the same page. I mean, we we joke about being triggered now. It's like this thing, you know, it's a joke, basically. I mean, it's true. Trauma triggers are very real. Being triggered is very real, but it's almost used like self-deprecatingly right now. And also it is used as a way to insult people like, oh, I'm sorry, you triggered right now because I said something you didn't like. You know, we kind of just like throw it at each other. But trauma triggers are a very real thing. And when you define them correctly, it's not something really that you want to insult somebody with or treat people who are triggered as though they're like snowflakes who can't handle life. (laughs) So that's not what it is at all. So I just looked up a basic definition of a trauma trigger just so it's not coming from my mouth. It's coming from the internet, and we all know the internet never lies, um, but psychologists on the internet uh, put it there. So I feel like they probably know what they're talking about. But basically, a trauma trigger is a psychological stimulus that prompts recall of a previous traumatic experience. So you know, you're triggered, you hear somebody say, oh, I'm triggered, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, something just made you mad. Well, that's not it at all. It is something in your mind that prompts recall of a previous traumatic experience. And here's the thing, whatever that stimulus is that prompts the recall in your brain of that previous trauma It doesn't have to be frightening or traumatic itself at all. It might only be like indirectly or superficially reminiscent of this traumatic incident. It can be something stupid like a smell. You know, you smell something and it might be like even like lavender or lilac and maybe that smell triggers something in you because you remember like when a traumatic event happened that was what you were smelling at the time. Is lavender or lilac necessarily something like triggering or traumatic? No, it's not traumatic at all. But what it is, it's a stimulus. And the thing that's really weird about our brains, and that's not fun at all sometimes, is that our brains don't really care. Like, our brain doesn't care if lilacs are not, and I don't know how I decided that lilacs or lavender needed to be the trigger I was discussing here, but just for purposes of discussion. Your brain doesn't care if lilacs or lavender are not dangerous. If you were in the middle of a super traumatic, maybe you got some really terrible news, maybe maybe you were sexually abused and there was a specific smell or something, your brain doesn't care that that smell didn't cause the trauma. All it knows is there's an association there. And so your limbic system is kind of like, whoa, 
hey, I uh, we're smelling something that reminds us of this really traumatic thing that happened, so sound the alarm. So essentially your brain is like reliving that all over again, whether it makes any sense at all or not. Bane of my existence, if we can be honest, because there are some things that really trigger me that I so wish didn't. Like it's something that I'll fight and fight. And sometimes they say not to fight triggers to just kind of let yourself feel what you're feeling. I've tried everything they say though. And certain things just really, really trigger me. I'll just be like, give you some examples from my personal experience, just for the sake of, you know, giving some examples. There is a sound that I cannot handle. And this makes sense because technically it can be sexual in nature. When I was sexually abused, I was kissed and and I was kissed a lot. And the sound of lips touching and then leaving flesh, that little like, think like eating a banana, that little like sound that is just like a small and seemingly harmless sound. It makes me, I can't even explain the level of like triggered that my brain gets when I hear that sound. It can happen with just seeing somebody kiss somebody else. And we're talking like just like a little tiny kiss or a little tiny noise that kind of reminds you of that sound. And I am completely triggered. Now, because I definitely heard this sound when I was being sexually abused, and it's something that was a part of my abuse, like it, that kind of a trigger makes sense, right? It makes sense. Okay, you heard this sound when you were being abused. So now when you hear the sound, it sets you off. And when I say it sets me off, like it can literally, it can completely change my mood. I can be having the best day ever and feeling amazing and on top of the world. I can hear this noise and it just makes me just a completely different person than I was before I heard it. So I'm not a fan of that kind of a trigger, but that's like a stimulus that sound. Okay. I heard it when I was being abused And it was part of the abuse that was done against me. And it was sexual in nature. So it kind of makes sense that my brain has latched on to that sound as like, this is a trigger that is completely justifiable. But triggers are more than the actual memories of what happened to us when we were being abused. It can be anything that was in our environment. Something as innocent as like the smell of lilacs or the smell of lavender, like I mentioned in my fake example earlier, our brains will latch on to these tiny little details and you might not even consciously remember them. You might not consciously remember, oh, I was smelling this or, oh, I saw this out of the corner of my eye. Maybe in the spot where you experience trauma and it doesn't even have to be sexual trauma. It can be literally any kind, but because you're here for a sex abuse podcast, I'm going to assume that a lot of your trauma triggers are related to the trauma of being sexually abused. But there could be something in the room where you were abused and maybe you consciously don't even remember it. Your brain does though. There's a part of your brain in the deep recesses that has this filed away and you might see this seemingly innocent decoration uh, at another point in your life and have like a visceral reaction to it for no apparent reason. And it's because your brain remembers. So trauma triggers, while partly they make zero sense At the same time, they make all the sense because our brains file away all this information. And unfortunately, when that information is being filed away in the midst of a traumatic experience, then some of that information might serve as a trigger later. So I thought it was important to define a trauma trigger. Um, It's just a stimulus that makes you remember a previous traumatic experience. And I will say this. When it prompts recall of that previous traumatic experience, you may not be thinking of it in your mind. And that's the crazy thing to me that I've had a little bit of trouble getting used to with relating some of my anxiety to the trauma of sexual abuse. Because I don't think about being abused when I'm triggered by these things. It does not take me back. Now, it might be different for you. Maybe you're transported immediately back to this traumatic event. But for me, when certain things, they make my body remember, but my mind is not sitting and going through a memory of being abused as a child. And so that's what's crazy to me about the psychological effects of sexual abuse, especially when somebody is abused at a young age, when their brain is still developing. It is so strange to me that I can be completely triggered by something and never once think about or go back to the memory of being sexually abused. 
Does that mean that my trigger has nothing to do with it? No, it doesn't mean it at all. When I hear that lip smacking sound, the first time it made me have this disgusting feeling of anxiety was the same day that I was abused sexually for the first time. So I know that those two things are related, but my brain, it doesn't, it doesn't care. My brain just knows when I hear that sound, there's a reason that I should be responding as though trauma is happening right then. So I think that that's important for us to understand that it, triggers aren't a joke. It's not, you know, something to like, oh, haha, you're just so triggered by me because we have different political views or you're so triggered by me because you're a snowflake or you're so, it's not that. I mean, listen, I have nothing against joking. I don't, I'm not like a person who is a total stick in the mud and gets mad at everybody if they're not completely serious about everything, including trauma at all times, because I would go crazy and I like to laugh too. And so, yeah, it can be fun to poke fun or whatever, but when it comes down to really discussing trauma triggers, one of the reasons that I think that it's not good that we've kind of made it into a joke is that now people kind of roll their eyes when they hear it. Oh, you're triggered right now. How nice, you know, another person who can't handle anything, you know, and it's not that at all. So I think it would be important for every single person in the world to know the actual definition of a trigger and why people really can't help it. It's not the same thing as getting upset because somebody disagrees with you or getting upset because you don't want a specific thing to happen. It's not that at all. It's literally your body responding to trauma through some stimulus that might make zero sense. You might see a leaf blowing across the road and it can trigger something in your head that will really send your body back into the trauma response. And it doesn't make sense, but it actually scientifically does make sense when, when you really boil it down to the way that the human brain functions. So that was a free aside about like why we should take uh, triggers a little bit more seriously than we do, or you know, not even take them more seriously, but just understand that they are real. It's not something that is just a person being weak-minded or needing you to, you know, just coddle them and only say things they like to hear. That's not what it is at all. So now that we understand a trauma trigger, we understand that whatever stimulates that trauma response doesn't really have to be directly related to the trauma itself. So when you think about it that way, the conversation that was had recently on the Survivor Sanctuary podcast group page on Facebook uh, makes a lot of sense. And I'm just going to share a little bit of what the comments were and why it generated this discussion on the Facebook group. So somebody who's new to the Survivor Sanctuary podcast posted in Survivor Sanctuary that she thinks she may be experiencing church trauma. And she went on to kind of describe a little bit of her background and to say that she's having certain church-related triggers that have cropped up that make absolutely no sense. And I think that's why I wanted to define what a trauma trigger is and what it really means when you're being triggered. Because I think that it relates back to this comment in Survivor sanctuary so well because our trauma triggers a lot of the time make zero sense but she went on to talk about how sitting through a Sunday service at church is excruciating and how people in her church don't understand and the comment went on to talk about how she tried to explain to some people at church about why it was so difficult for her to show up why it was so difficult for her to participate and she was met with some really not fabulous responses from church leadership and just lay people at church as well. So the wonderful person who commented said that she'd kind of been searching the internet far and wide to see if, you know, does anybody else struggle with this specific kind of anxiety and looking for stories and it's tough to find. And what is interesting is that there were quite a few comments from other listeners you know, saying you're not alone in this at all. I was one of them because I definitely can relate to this on, I will say a spiritual level. And yes, that's kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, I mean, it's true. Um, so this person's experience, and I think that if you have experienced um, church being a trauma trigger for you, if you've ever tried to explain it to somebody who doesn't understand trauma or to explain it to somebody who has not experienced trauma themselves, it's going to be really difficult to get understanding. And this is one of the things 
that I think the church needs to work on so much. And I've done like entire podcasts before about the response of churches to trauma and to suffering. And we're missing the mark so much here. And there are so many reasons that I could get into. And I've done it in other podcasts and I'll do it again in the future. But for my purposes today, I don't really want to get into the whys of why people at church don't understand. I just want to say that we need to be better at figuring out how to be understanding, even if we don't understand. Because what's happening is you have all these people who are finding parts of church and religion to be extremely triggering for them. And I don't mean triggering like, oh, I I don't like this. It's triggered me. And I just, you know, I don't want to hear what you're saying. Or I don't like that song because it's in the wrong key. Or the carpet in church is ugly. Like, not like that. But like people who are seriously being triggered to have trauma responses when they walk through the doors of a church. And when people don't understand it, you get comments from church leaders and small group leaders and youth group leaders and pastors and other church members. You get comments from them that just just lack basic empathy because they do not understand what trauma is and how it affects the brain. So I'll give the example from this person's comment. She said that she tried to reach out to a pastor and let him know why that she was having difficulty being a part of the church community. And basically the pushback that she got was, listen, you're just making excuses to not attend church. And that is, oh, like I just wanted to reach through my computer screen and give her a big hug at that point because I know that feeling of people not understanding. And I'm going to be honest with you, I've never shared my church related trauma triggers with anybody. Like I just, this would be the first time. I mean, in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, when I left a comment and talked about how I really feel sitting through a church service and when certain things happen in churches, um, that was the first time that I've really talked about it because I just know it's like that gut feeling that nobody's going to understand this. And I've heard all the excuses before. And honestly, I've probably been the one saying those lame things to people when they say stuff like, oh, I'm just unable to get to church because of X, Y, Z. You know, you know, the spiritual answer. Well, the enemy wants to keep you away from fellowshipping with other believers. So you just can't give in to that. And and this is just your flesh not wanting to be spiritual. And, you know, it's, it's a war between flesh and spirit and you just have to fight. It's like, okay, I I get where those things are coming from. But at the same time, they don't take into account that when people have suffered from trauma, their brain is treating certain aspects of church. Maybe it's the building itself. Maybe it's walking through the door. Maybe it's hearing the choir sing or hearing, you know, a worship leader in skinny jeans with perfectly arranged messy hair sing, like whatever it is, our brains associate those things with trauma. Therefore, they trigger a trauma response in our brains and in our bodies. So your heart rate might be elevated. You might begin to feel hot all over your body. You might feel very real fear. And you might have what some people call a panic attack or an anxiety attack. Um, So many things can happen when your body goes into that trauma response. It's a fight or flight response. Your body's trying to decide, okay, I have, there's this stimulus that relates back to trauma. We know trauma is dangerous and we need to run or fight for our lives. And we're trying to decide in our bodies with all of these chemicals, which of the things we're going to do. And what that results in is very, very miserable people who are extremely triggered and traumatized. And we're trying to force ourselves to go to church anyway. And we're trying to force ourselves to fight through it because we know, I I think at some level, there's an understanding that, okay, this should be a really safe place. You know, these people, they, they love Jesus and they they care about God and the Bible. And I mean, if you go to a church where people are just toolboxes, like that's one thing. Like if you go to a church that's more like a cult and there's some crazy life control stuff happening and they, they won't let you wear skirts that are above your ankles and, you know, the women aren't allowed to wear makeup. If, if it's crazy cultish stuff, okay, there's some understanding standing there of why your body might feel trauma when uh, faced with that. But if you go to a church where people are generally kind and there's not a bunch of crazy stuff going on and it doesn't really make sense, it is more than likely an association that your brain has made to some stimulus that you're getting at church and a previous trauma. And so I'm not positive that's ever going to go away. 
For me, thank goodness, I'm not going to have a panic attack when I walk into the doors of a church. But I will tell you that what happens in my body when I'm in church and when I'm sitting through a service and when I'm hearing certain things on stage and I'm seeing certain things and certain routines and rituals are happening, I am not in a good place in my body. And it's something that, yes, over the years I fought. At first, I fought it because I thought I was just sinful. You know, I really thought, like, I'm just this carnal, you know, Baptists love that word. I'm just this carnal person who doesn't care about God and I'm not spiritual enough and I don't read my Bible enough and I don't pray enough. And so when I sit in services and I feel this, like, anxiety and I feel sick to my stomach when I hear certain things like that's just me being sinful. And so I've been mean to myself, kind of the same way that uh, this commenter on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, kind of how her like small group leader and her pastor were kind of mean to her, you know, like, this is just an excuse because you don't want to go to church. What I find really interesting about that, though, is that people who really want to, so they're bothering to explain to you why it's difficult, like, obviously, you're not just looking for an excuse to not go to church. Like there's a very real reason. Like this is something that's happening to me. It's traumatizing. It doesn't feel good. And I'm trying to explain to you why this is difficult to me. It would be so awesome if that was met with, I'm sorry, that really sucks that you feel that way. Like it really sucks that you have to feel that. I hate that. You know, I don't know if that's ever going to change or if that's ever going to be different, but is there anything I can do? Like, is there anything I could do for you? Like, Would it be easier for you to watch church online? Would it be easier for you if we prayed over the phone? Would it be easier? Like something, you know, can I bring you a hash brown casserole? Like something besides you're just trying to come up with an excuse to not go to church because that is not what it is. Now, am I saying nobody ever tries to make up excuses to not go to church? No, I'm obviously not saying that. There are plenty of people who probably need great excuses to not have to go to church because people are putting them on a guilt trip for not going and they just don't want to and that's fine. But for people who don't want to feel that way, who want to be able to just enjoy their church community, to be able to go to a service and sing songs and and hear scripture and not feel like a mess when they leave. I mean, I would power through and find things about church that I like. Oh, hey, I like these people and and talking to them is fun. So it's great to to be able to go. And okay, I like this about the service. But if I'm being 100% honest, I do not ever attend a church service where I do not feel a level of anxiety. It doesn't happen. And I don't think that's me making excuses. I don't think that that's me trying to justify some carnal way of thinking. In fact, I'm not going to say that I don't think that it is. I'm going to say that I know that it is not that thing. What's interesting to me is that I was not sexually abused inside a church. I was sexually abused by someone I went to church with. And so I had to see him at church. And so that was a source of anxiety for me as a child. But when I go to church, I don't sit and think about my sexual abuser. I don't, like, he doesn't cross my mind. I'm not reliving the abuse that I can tell in my brain, but there is part of me that might be reliving some of that trauma because there are definite triggers. There are certain songs, and I don't even know if I can blame this on the abuse because I went through some other, you know, traumatic experiences growing up with a father in ministry. We were constantly in churches, had some really bad experiences with some of the churches that we went to and the way that things were done, and so I have some trauma related to that as well. So I will give you that. Not every single thing that triggers my trauma response is related to my sexual abuse. But there are certain songs, especially like 90s worship music, I cannot hear them. And if I do, it makes me, my whole body just feels so horrible. I'm in the worst mood of all time. I'm fighting to breathe because like, you know, anxiety makes your breath kind of really shallow and you're short of breath and you kind of have chest pain. <laughs> and like there are certain songs and I know that it doesn't make any logical sense. Like why is this song making me feel as though I want to shoot myself in the brain? Because that's literally what it's doing right now. And I just know that it's because my brain associates it with a certain time in my life or certain experiences of my life that were not good, that were traumatic. And so they are a trigger for me and I just have to accept it. Again, in this episode, I'm not necessarily going to pick apart like how to fight your triggers or how to heal your triggers. That is an episode for another day. 
I kind of just wanted to maybe normalize this is the the word that I'm looking for. I, I wanted to normalize it a little bit because I was just kind of wowed by this person's comment when she posted in Survivor Sanctuary, just thinking, am I the only person in the world who feels this way? Because, I mean, I surround myself with a lot of survivors and advocates, and I'm reading a lot um, from different people, even if I'm just reading tweets. You know, I'm reading a lot, and I'm kind of immersed in that. So I've heard a lot about church-related trauma and spiritual trauma and spiritual abuse in the church. And so I know that it's something that is actually a lot more prevalent than we think that it is. But I wanted to let people know that they're not alone in that. If you have a a trigger, something that you don't understand, even if it's not about church, you know, I mentioned earlier, like there's a sound I can't hear without wanting to commit mass homicide. Like seriously, I can be like in the most loving and gentle and tender mood. And then I'll hear this noise. And I literally wish that I had a machete so I could just begin murdering people. That might sound extreme, but that is literally the visceral response that happens in my body. It is like a rage that overcomes me. And if it's not rage against other people, it's like against my own body, like to where I'll have to scratch myself on the neck. And this sounds like crazy as I'm saying it. I I promise I'm not crazy, but um, I'll have to like physically scratch myself to get the bad feeling I'm having in my body to kind of have a different place to go. And I don't mean like physically harm myself. I just mean like to to be able to feel something else because it's that intense. So no, you are not alone at all in that feeling. If your body and your brain and your limbic system are being triggered by something within the church, even if it's, as this commenter said, like things that make literally no sense. I mean, we can think that like, oh, there's a floral bouquet in this window. And it just made me like have the worst anxiety attack I've ever had. Like it might seem like it makes no sense. Or this hymn, why did this hymn just make me feel so horrible and like panicky? It makes no sense. But even if you can't make sense of it, it is normal. It's something that if you have experienced abuse at the hands of somebody within your church, if you've been abused inside a church, and and you know, I mentioned that I wasn't, I was abused by someone who went to my church, but I don't believe that I know of that he sexually abused me in the church. But I say that with the understanding that as a six-year-old child, there is a chance that my abuser was touching me inappropriately in other situations that I don't remember because I it didn't cross my mind that he was doing that. He would pull us onto his laps and and he would touch us all the time. So there's a chance that in the grooming process that, you know, that he did inappropriate things and I just didn't know they were inappropriate because I was an innocent six-year-old, you know? So there's a chance, yes, that he may have abused me within the church, but I don't have those memories, but I still have the anxiety because your body and your brain make associations that might not make any logical sense to you. It would be nice if we could wrap everything up in a bow. It would be nice if, you know, we could just all agree with every pastor that says, if you say that church gives you anxiety, you're just making an excuse because you don't care enough about God and you want to be carnal and go live for the world and you'd rather be lounging by the pool on a Sunday morning instead of coming to church, you know. It would be great if we could all agree that that was the truth and move on. But the reality is it's not the truth. It isn't. Like church trauma is very real and being triggered by something within the church is something that is more common than you think. There's a chance that just kind of being armed with that knowledge might be helpful for you. If your experience in the church maybe is like mine where you weren't sexually abused within the church, but for some people they were abused literally like on the altar or in the pastor's office or in a pew or in a church bathroom and there's no escaping that for people who have experienced that kind of trauma. Like you can try to explain it away all you want, but when your brain sees you approaching that church building, when your brain sees, you know, if you were abused maybe in a church where ministers all wear robes or where they all uh, have the same like dress code, maybe you see a guy in a three-piece suit and you kind of get a little bit panicky. Like there's no way around it. If you were abused within the church, It's going to be really difficult for your brain not to make those associations and for you to not struggle with some sort of trauma trigger related to what you're seeing within the church. And the last thing that people need to hear when 
they've been traumatized and they're trying to reach out for somebody to understand them, you know, trying to explain, hey, I I wish I could be with you on Sunday morning. I wish that I could sit there and listen to a sermon like you can. I wish that I could sing along with the songs, but I I can't. It physically and mentally hurts to do it. And I just don't have the strength to subject myself to it every Sunday. It would be awesome if, if people could be met with understanding, with somebody who just, even if they can't understand, that tries to empathize, that tries to just say, yeah, I don't get this at all, but I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't want people to offer us solutions or come up with ways to help us. We just want to know that people understand and that they're there for us, you know, that, that our small group leader, for instance, if we tell our small group leader, Hey, I have this weird trauma trigger that when I walk through the doors of a church, my body goes into fight or flight mode. And it's really hard for me. And sometimes I fight it so that I can be with the group and I'm willing to subject myself to it for the greater good. And there are some days that mentally and emotionally, I just don't have it in me and I can't do it. You know, that, that, that person would say, you're not carnal and you don't want to just live for Satan, and, and, and it's not that you don't care about the Lord. This is something you're struggling with, and guess what? God understands it. And even though I may not completely understand it, I hear you that it's a struggle for you, and we're here for you. Whatever we can do, we're here for you. Like, that's it. Sometimes people just need to know that there is some semblance of understanding and that we're not going to be shamed for sharing those struggles. And I think that that's one of the toughest parts about experiencing those church trauma triggers is that feeling that you're going to be shamed, you know, I mean, that you're going to be told that you're backsliding, you know, you're backsliding and that's why you don't want to be in church or, you know, like any of the myriad things I just told you about that unsympathetic people will say. It all boils down to shaming a survivor for speaking up. You're shaming them so that they're not going to bring it up anymore. Basically, it's a way of silencing people so that you don't have to try and understand and you don't have to try and walk with them through this thing that's very difficult because it is difficult. Like nobody's asking everyone to be psychiatrists. Nobody's asking everyone to be mental health counselors. We're not asking you to come up with solutions to every traumatized person's mental health problems. Like that's not what we're asking. But there's got to be... If you want churches to ever be a place where survivors of sexual abuse or survivors of any kind of trauma feel comfortable, there has got to be some level of empathy. There's got to be anything besides what seems to be just like the pat answer for everything. Like, oh, you're struggling with this trauma related to church? Well, we should definitely shame you for it because that's the only thing that's going to make it go away. And the reality is it doesn't make our trauma trigger go away. It doesn't make our struggle go away. All it does is it makes us stop talking about it. And I know that for a lot of people, that might actually be the goal. It's like people just don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about our trauma and our triggers and the abuse that we've endured and the psychological effects of that because it's it's very difficult. It scares people. It makes them uncomfortable. And I understand that. You know, I'm not here to say that it's easy. I'm not here to say that it's super easy to walk with survivors through all the stuff that they endure. It's not. It, it is It is difficult a lot of the time. But church ministry is not for perfect people who never have a problem with anything. People who are constantly positive and they never have any issues. And, you know, you ask them how they are and bless God, the sun is shining and everything's great. Hallelujah. Hashtag blessed. Like churches cannot be made up of 100% those people. Like there are so many people who just don't experience that on a daily basis. When they walk through the doors of a church, whatever they're carrying with them might be a lot heavier than hashtag blessed. And we need more understanding of that if we're ever going to be an inviting place for survivors of sexual abuse. We just do. So triggers are definitely something that I think that we will talk about on future episodes of Survivor Sanctuary. And like I mentioned before, I'd love to chat with um, maybe a mental health professional who could talk to us about maybe how to navigate some of those triggers. For me, just knowing that my anxiety stems from things in my brain that don't make any sense from the past, like that actually helps me a little bit. It doesn't make me not feel the anxiety necessarily, but it helps me to not assign some present meaning to that anxiety. Like if I know, all right, 
I'm feeling this bout of anxiety because I have all these weird issues surrounding like growing up in the church and being abused by someone in the church and you know, all, all of this stuff that is crowding my brain and that triggers anxiety in me. I know that's why this is happening. And it's not because I'm sitting in this church right now and I'm physically in danger and I need to leave right now. It helps me to be able to work my way through that. I will say the anxiety doesn't go away, but it's definitely easier to manage when I kind of talk myself through it. But aside from that, I don't have a lot of help for you on managing those triggers, except to say that we will be talking about this in future episodes of Survivor Sanctuary, and I'll get you some great tips on how to manage those triggers and maybe to work your way through them to the point where you'll be able to go to church if that's what you want to do, and you'll be able to sit there and participate and for it not to be like this super hard thing. But I want you to know this. If it is something that's really hard for you, if it's something that you struggle to navigate, maybe you're not like me at all, where I can still go and I just deal with that feeling of anxiety. It's always simmering right beneath the surface. Maybe it's been so bad for you that there is no way you can ever step foot in a church again. I just want you to know that there's nothing wrong with you. You're not less spiritual than someone else because you can't go to church. Despite what your small group leader says, bless his heart or bless her heart. There is nothing wrong with you except that your brain is functioning exactly the way that it's supposed to function. And when it sees that disgusting mauve carpet on the floor of the church and it triggers this response deep in the recesses of your brain, this trauma response, it is normal. It is something that's normal, albeit annoying. I'll, I'll give you that. It's it's annoying, but it is also normal. It's, it's how your brain is supposed to function to protect you. And unfortunately, it's one of those side effects of sexual abuse that's not fair. Like it'd be great if we could all just go about our lives and not have these insane triggers. Like I wish that I could hear a kiss noise and not want to commit mass murder or jump off a bridge. Like I wish those things every day. It's not fair. But this is something that when you've gone through trauma, your body and your brain are doing their best to protect you and to keep you from harm. And so that stimulus, whatever it is, if it is the church hymnal or if it's the scent of lavender or if it's a communion wafer or those tiny little cups of grape juice or whatever the heck it might be, your brain is doing what it functions to do, and that is to protect you from danger. And unfortunately, it's in a portion of your brain that does not operate from logic. It just operates from like a very base animalistic place, like where breathing comes from. It's not something that you sit and are logical about. Like, I should I take another breath? Should I? Now I'm wondering, should I breathe in? Well, I just breathed in. Should I breathe out? Let's logically think about this. Like, it's not that part of your brain. It's the part of your brain that just functions to keep you alive. And that's the part of your brain that controls your trauma triggers. Unfortunately, I mean, it is unfortunate because that means that we have to deal with all these not so fun feelings like hearing a song in church and feeling like we're going to throw up or have a panic attack. It's not fair, but it's all a part of the great joy that is surviving trauma. You're normal, there's nothing wrong with you, and it sucks. Like those are the three things that I think I want to leave you with today. You know, as I've been talking, I was actually reminded of some triggers that kind of cropped up this week. I have food triggers sometimes, and to me, they're not related to past trauma necessarily, but more traumatic things that I'm dealing with in the present. Like when I realized my dog couldn't get up and walk, and it really, really freaked me out. I was eating a specific food for dinner that night, and the thought of it now makes me physically sick. And it's not the fault of the food. It, similarly, a show that I really, really like, I was watching when my dog started to really struggle and I thought, am I going to have to put her down? And after seven years and, you know, her being my favorite thing ever, like just my brain tried to process that. And in the process was like, well, you were watching this show when it happened. So obviously this show is very dangerous to you. And every time you even think about watching it, much less watch it, we definitely need to trigger the fight or flight response because it might kill you. Like these are the things, like it doesn't make sense. It, it makes sense if you know how the brain works, but it doesn't make sense logically because it's not logical. And, and that's just the nature of a trauma trigger. I've heard people try to talk about triggers in the sense that almost like to welcome them because they're, they're your body's warning signs about danger. And I will agree 
to an extent, I will say to an extent that there are certain triggers we might experience that might actually be warning us about real things that are potentially dangerous. But I think that people are mixing up a gut instinct or intuition with triggers. And I don't think that they're the same thing. Because for me, I know that there is literally nothing wrong with eating a Chipotle burrito. In fact, it's delicious and I would like to eat many more of them in my lifetime. But my brain this week has now begun associating them with the trauma of possibly losing a beloved pet. And so I can't do it. You know, it's it to me, this is not a warning. And this is not something like, oh, your body's trying to tell you something. No, your brain is functioning the way that it's supposed to. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the ability to decode every single thing that it picks up in the environment. So if your abuser was wearing a red shirt when he abused you, there's a chance that a really nice person, that there's nothing wrong with them, you might get triggered because they're wearing a red shirt. It doesn't make any sense. It's not the universe trying to tell you something. It's not your intuition saying that every person who wears red is is bad or that chipotle burritos are going to kill you although there might be a chance that they could i found a worm in one a couple of months ago not gonna lie this cute little green crawly worm on the lettuce of my burrito didn't eat that one either (laughs) but a story for another day i just don't think that these triggers are necessarily there to teach us something uh, or helping us sharpen our intuition sometimes they're just there because they were in the environment when the trauma happened So if church was in your environment when the trauma happened, if you had a relative who liked to quote Bible verses and be very pious at church and then came home and sexually abused you, um, yeah, you might relate some of those scriptures and some of that churchy stuff to the trauma that you experienced sexually, and it might be a trigger for you for the remainder of your life. So let's be gentle with ourselves, I think, um, because it's really like controlling your brain. It, it's not impossible, but it, it's almost impossible. I'm going to say that. I know people say like, you can control how you think and you can control your thoughts and you, you're you in complete control. And, and I would say that if I were in complete control, my body would be totally okay with me eating this Chipotle burrito instead of feeling like I'm going to throw up and like I've just experienced a massive loss. Like, why is my heart racing? You know, it is not easy to control those kinds of very base human functions. And unfortunately, trauma triggers have their basis in a very I won't say dumb part of our brain, but it's just not a logical part. That's not its function. Its function is to keep you alive, breathing and not walking into crazy danger. Maybe my brain knows something about Chipotle that I don't. (laughs) I don't know. In any case, um, I wanted to talk about that because, I, you know, it cropped up on the Survivor Sanctuary group and I thought it was really interesting that, you know, so many people have the ability to relate to that. And so we're not alone. And sometimes that's all you need to know that it's normal. Like it sucks, but it's normal. And sometimes just having that knowledge that I don't need to assign great meaning to, to the anxiety that I feel when I look at this hymnal or when I smell this smell or whatever. I I actually have it about, um, I cannot stand the smell of apple juice because it reminds me of all the years of forced labor in the church nursery. Like I was in the church nursery from the time I was like 11 or 12, taking care of kids, you know, angry parents who never, ever wanted to volunteer in the nursery, but wanted to complain about everything I did. Like I cannot stand the smell of apple juice because that's just where my brain goes. Like back to that, like every Sunday, like this, like taking care of kids. And I loved kids. Don't get me wrong, but it just, you know, when you're a preacher's kid, you end up doing a lot of the work that nobody else wants to do. And so sometimes you might not be able to smell apple juice or graham crackers without being reminded of being like shut up in a room with screaming children who didn't want to listen to anything you say. Um, I could go on because I'm sure there are plenty more triggers I can come up with. But yeah, apple juice is definitely one of them. And again, it might not make sense, but it's very real. And I definitely don't want to make light of people's trauma responses or trauma triggers because while yeah I've learned to deal with mine and just kind of let them happen and logically tell myself okay my body feels horrible right now I feel like I'm you know in fight or flight like I'm in danger like something really bad is happening it's this sense of doom and despair and it's awful and I don't like it but I know that 
this feeling is not based in my present reality. It is something in my past that my brain has processed as part of my trauma. And, you know, now that I'm seeing this stimulus in front of me, my brain is relating it to that and is warning me. And it doesn't fix the problem, but I think that it definitely helps to know that that's what's going on. So, not to make light because it is difficult. It is not easy to have to deal with anxiety and fight or flight mode when you're just trying to do a basic thing like enjoy a church service. But you are definitely not alone. And if you would like to chat more about it, hey, ask a question on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. Engage people in some conversation. Maybe share some of your stories about your church-related trauma or maybe some triggers for you. Um, You know, and it can be lighthearted too. If you just want to laugh like along with me about like the Chipotle burritos this week, I don't know. Like, will I ever be able to eat them again? There's a chance that I might always associate them with death now. So I don't know, (laughs) but... I do know this, if I share it on the group, nobody's going to judge me, or if they do, they're going to keep their judgment to themselves and just show support. So you can always share there if you want to share your experience with church-related trauma and those fun triggers that so many of us survivors of sexual abuse have got to deal with. Well, I've gone a bit long with this episode, um, but I'd love to see you in the Facebook group. Make sure that you search Facebook for Survivor Sanctuary. You'll have to request to join and you'll be asked to answer a membership question. It's multiple choice. It's very simple. What is the main topic of conversation on Survivor Sanctuary? The answer is sexual abuse. So you pick that answer. I'll add you to the group and you can participate there. Well, I will catch you back here on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.